I'm Jerry Oster. Beside me, the legend, the big man, Triple Y. How are we doing today, my friend? Very good. My uh, my mom really enjoys your intros. Like she gets so excited. She feels so good about her son and all that when you intro me that way. All so right. please keep doing it. Maybe we'll have to come up with a nickname for your mom. Uh, Triple just, Mom Y. Just mom. Mom's good. Just mom. Yeah. Well, hello, Chewy's mother. Thank you for listening from Transcona. Do you still live in Transcona? Heartbeat of the city. Beautiful. You know I was born in Transcona? Really? Yeah. First year of my life, I was a Transconian. Now I, now I know why you like I like you so much. I almost was a regent. Oh, I played re- regents. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I saw a picture of you. East End Community Center. Yeah. You and uh, Braden... Uh, Harvey. Harvey. Yeah. 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 A shout out to our, I think our one you, of our I biggest think, fans, I think say. I think he won the... I think he actually might have scored the winning goal. Pass from Tim Mushi. Really? Yeah. Overtime. Moosh? Yeah. Did you guys call him Moosh? Yeah, we called him Moosh, yeah. 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 All right. Well, that was fun. Go down a little bit of uh, Nostalgia Row. Is that what they call it? Memory Lane. (laughs) Nostalgia Row. We're working on that one. Okay. uh, Let's talk about the draft. Okay. Tonight, big draft day in the NHL. First off, first ever virtual draft. It's like Jamiroquay said. It's a virtual reality. Ooh, heating up. That was a pre-written joke, everybody. Uh, but seriously, uh, first ever virtual draft. Are you excited? Are you going to watch it? Uh, what do you think? I think I'm gonna, for sure going to watch it. It's always interesting any, you know, when you see the kids get drafted, to see how excited they are. It's a lifelong dream for them. And, you know, just to see how everything's going to work tonight, see where uh, these teams are going to be, if they're going to be in their boardrooms or war rooms, wherever they're going to be. Um, you know, I think some guys in Tampa or Florida, they'll probably be on the beach. Yeah. from there somewhere like that but you know give credit to NHL they've done the bubble the right way I'm sure this will be easy for them yeah I'm excited to see when they must have cameras in a lot of the first rounders houses I would imagine today right so I'm excited to see uh, I always like that when I watch the NFL draft uh, when we were all kind of in our houses there when COVID first struck and uh, you know seeing the family members and everybody that's been a part of that process their entire career getting to celebrate as well because again draft day is not just for the player uh, the whole family and, and everyone celebrates it as well so uh, I'm excited to see that and I'm excited for a couple of our guys we got a couple guys that you know we got some players that train with us that who knows you never know how many guys are going to go but our front runners right now would be Seth Jarvis Tristan Robbins and Carter Loney all those guys uh, well Seth Jarvis will definitely go I, I believe in the first round um, you've been in the game so long Chew, and you've worked with so many uh, WHL players Uh, what's some advice you'd give a guy on draft day just enjoy the moment you know the guys talk about it they you get lost in it you know you wake up in the morning and you try and keep it as normal as you can but you just got to kind of go through it it's a stepping stone in your career Um, you know enjoy it around with your families it only happens once and uh, you know I always say there's always you know make sure that when you do get interviewed you thank your parents you thank your coaches you thank the people that were involved your family members and they've all made sacrifices uh, for you to be able to take this next opportunity and it's life changing for these kids all of a sudden you know the the next door opens up right and it's a great opportunity but I always say just make sure you take the moment in and enjoy what's happening. I always say make sure you thank your parents as well you know after a hard day I used to come home have a bad game it was like there's my dog you know 
he had to put up with a lot of stuff, right? So if I got drafted today, shout out to Baxter. Thanks for being there uh, when I get home from work. Yeah. You know, you know, you know what's really unique. I like about those three those three players. I think they were on the original RHA team together, right. weren't they? So yeah. it's uh, great for the program, and it's great for those three young guys. They're all headed in different directions in their careers, but uh, it's great for our program here in house. Well, I think it's cool for them too to, you know, sometimes when you have to go through some things by yourself, and obviously they're going through this by themselves today, but they also have some friends that are going through it too. So I'm sure they've they've talked a lot over the last couple weeks and months about uh, this day and now it's finally here and and I'm sure they'll talk uh, at some point today but very exciting for everybody involved Uh, you know we're excited here at the rink I know the first thing I'm doing when I get home is I'm rushing home to get the TV started and you know get a little barbecue going and seeing where Seth Jarvis goes in the in the first round I'm hoping for his brother who we've also had on the pod um, Caden Jarvis I'm hoping that Seth goes somewhere nice and warm or somewhere cool you know like Nashville you know because you know what Jarvis such a good guy he deserves to go somewhere nice and visit his brother I agree with that you know I keep on joking around that he might come to Winnipeg and I would love it I mean you're happy wherever you go but for the family, you yeah. know, the Caden Jarvises of the world. For sure. It would be nice to get onto a beach when you go see your brother, not, uh, you know, the Vicow Gort. <laughs> or the you know, Nipa, no offense the, the, to the Vicount Gort, the but Nipa, I stayed the Nipa, there. The Vivian Inn. Oh, right? Yeah. Vivian Inn. Yeah. We were there last weekend, or I wasn't. I... Hey, okay, so, uh, you know, we those three guys, we talked about the day they're going to have today and tomorrow. What about the Jets? What about your team? Are they going to make any big moves today or any? Oh, well, if they make moves, I hope it's for a defenseman. That's number one. And, and you know what? Like, I joke with Jarvie and I say that, you know, I do hope Seth goes. I, I don't always love when, um, you know, hometown kids playing in your hometown. That's tough, right? So it's just added pressure. So, you know, but a little bit of me, because I'm a Jets fan and I know what Seth brings to the table, I would be pretty pumped if they did get Seth, you know? So I'm kind of... You know, it's like uh, it's like when Kachuk was drafted a couple years ago. Um, he's a family member, and and there was talk of him maybe you know coming to Winnipeg. And I thought, you know what? As nice as it would be to have him here, it's hard to you know kind of play under the microscope. And your father played here and, and that type of stuff. So with Seth, I hope you know. I hope he doesn't really come here because I think it's hard to play in front of your hometown fans and it's just an added pressure I don't think you need as an as a younger hockey player um, but for the Jets I hope we go out and get either a really good defenseman you know they've been talking about line a being dealt and all this stuff I just hope we get where I hope we get players back in the areas that we need the most you know the second line center or the defenseman if we trade line a for picks unless they're really high picks in that first round then i say we keep line a because i just have a feeling that he's you know he started to find his game over the last i'd say two seasons or so season and a half and you know you know if he goes somewhere he's gonna get his first 50 goal season i can almost yeah i would i would put a lot of money on that so I what hope, do you think? I hope they don't trade him. I think he's a young, you know, a young kid who, um, hockey-wise, anything on the ice, he knows the game. He knows how to play it. 
He's always been told to go and score as many goals as he can because he can do it. Um, every year he's played hockey in Finland, he's always played with older guys that have taken care of him yeah. on and off the ice, especially when you're playing for your country, you're playing in a professional league in your hometown, there's always going to be someone that's looked out for you. When he gets to the NHL, now all of a sudden he's a little, you know, he's had great teammates here in, in Winnipeg, but all of a sudden he's got a little to defend, you know, defend for himself. So he's still maturing, he's still realizing what it is like to be a pro and, and be on his own. And um, I think that his best years are, are going to come. And I think last year there was a lot of maturity that happened with him in his the way he played. And I think that, uh, you know, his game's only going to get better. And if he can play a 200-foot game and still have that scoring ability, he can lead an organization anywhere. Well, so. how many years, and, and I know there's comparisons, and, you know, obviously because their shots, they both have really good shots, but, you know, the OV comparison, think about how many years that uh, Ovi didn't look very good defensively, mm-hmm. right? And people said, oh, this guy can never lead a team. He can't lead a team. And Washington stuck with him, mm-hmm. right? Even when some of the, you know, some of the, the people in the media were like calling for this guy to be traded, they knew what they had and they waited, right? And I think with Line Aid, it's very similar. I would hate to give up on him so early. The only way I would give up on him uh, if I were the GM is if we are if we don't have information that they have. Yeah. You know, if Line Aid comes into my office and says, Hey, I can't stand the city, I don't want to play for this organization, then I find a place and I move him, mm-hmm. right? But if he likes Winnipeg, I mean there are shirts all over the city that says Winnipeg is good. That came from line eh? Uh, if he likes the city I would be really hesitant unless I was getting something top top end back for him that it would make me almost be like I have to make this trade so I guess we'll see tonight there's always movement on draft day so should we get to the interview let's do it all right drop the puck welcome to the podcast via satellite from God's country in Kelowna BC we got an, a guy that goes by Hogger. Is that right, Andy? That's right, yeah. Hogger 41. Hogger 41. Today's podcast, we got Chris Hogg. How's it going, Chris? It's going good. How's it going out there? Well, it's, I think it's going a little better in Kelowna than it is in Winnipeg, I'd say. There you go. How, how, how are we even operating? Like, I thought we blew the budget and only had John Kerr on. Now we got Andy Zleniak. We flew out to Kelowna. Like, how is this working? <laughs> I don't know. We can't even uh, we can't even get a free cup of coffee, and now we're via satellite. So we're loving life, apparently. <laughs> nice. So, Chris, you're currently the head coach of the female prep team in Kelowna. How did you get into coaching, and was that always something you looked to get into? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think Annie can even vouch for this one. If you don't, uh, if you can't play anymore, you, you coach, right? So uh, going from pro hockey Uh, It was kind of a transition. I was kind of playing in it for the money rather than for the love of the game. And, um, you know, once my last year, I kind of finished up in Poland with a lot of ex-NHL guys that, um, you know, were kind of on their last legs as well. And it kind of got the wheels turning a little bit. I know, um, you know, six years ago, these academies were starting to take Mm -hmm. off a little bit. And especially in this Okanagan region, we got OHA down the road. You have POE, which is now Rink Kelowna. Um, so coming back here for the summers, I was able to kind of get my foot in the door with, with David Roy through his skating camps and kind of hop into a coaching position right away. So I didn't even take a break. I kind of ended up in Poland and then 
retired, went right into coaching a couple months later, right? So it was more on the development side to start, I guess, through the the edge camps and what POE was doing through the summers and that. And then it kind of just continued to build from there, obviously, throughout the year. You're, you're involved with the team for 10 months here with the academy, and it just continues to grow. And um, just like as a player, how you continue to work on your craft, um, that's how I feel how it is with coaching right now as well. So your last game, did you do uh, anything special when you knew it was your last game? Like, did you throw your equipment out the bus window? Did you, like, do the slap shot dancing routine? Did you do anything special like that? I wish, actually. If I would have known it was my last game, I actually got suspended. So (laughs) we were in playoffs. It was in Poland. You're not allowed to fight over there. So it wasn't much of a fight. I would say it was more of a scrum, but I ended up getting a five-minute for fighting, and I couldn't play in game game. Four, I want to say it was. It was best three out of five, right? And we were down uh, 2-1, and then we went into that fourth game. So I actually couldn't even play in my last game. But uh, it was a cool experience over there. That The last game when I got kicked out there, you got all these Polish fans uh, chanting at you, throwing beer at you, spinning at you from up top when you get kicked out. So it was an experience for sure. But I think at that time, it was more, you know, we're kind of in it for the money. There was a lot of different things involved. We had uh, Zen and Kanopka came over. Mike Danton was on our team. So we had lots of these ex-NHL guys that they signed right at the deadline to try to win it all. So it was a little bit, um, you know, we're supposed to go further than we did. But those leagues have some some pretty good local players as well. So your BC kid, Chris, um, did you ever train with Dave Roy before you got into the development and the coaching side uh, for yourself? Yeah, um, you know, those Edge of Excellence camps, I think, you know, you guys out there in Winnipeg as well. I know Dave's been going out there for years as well. You know, back in the day, skating camps were kind of the big thing. And I know a lot of NHL guys used to come up for for a couple weeks or for a month and train with Dave as well. So he would have all the minor hockey groups throughout the day. And then at nighttime, he would have his pro group and he used to have, you know, all the Kelowna Rockets guys, Scott Hannon, uh, Scott Parker, like all those guys around that age. Um, and he would have all those NHL guys at night. So it was kind of a cool experience to be able to come out and, and train with him and, and kind of see all those pro guys. I think that was the first kind of time that you saw a lot of NHL guys kind of come to this area in the Okanagan and it kind of, you know, started the trend for, for players to come here and, and train here as well. But yeah, no, Dave, I probably went to the edge camp seven, eight, nine years. It was kind of a, something you did all the time and, and judging by you guys out in Winnipeg as well. I don't know if there's many coaches out there that haven't either worked, you know, with Dave or been involved um, with the edge camps as well. Well, let's look back at your, uh, your w- WHL career. You spent some time in Kamloops and Lethbridge. Uh, why not tell us a little bit about how that time was for you? And if, if that was always kind of your route that you wanted to take, you know, some guys that like uh, think about using the WHL or even college for you. Uh, what was your main priority as a kid growing up? Yeah, I think at that time, Sam and Arm in the BCHL just started to get going. I know Andrew Abbott, uh, Vitamin as well. They had a couple good young players. And actually, the route that I wanted to take was to go junior A, get a scholarship, you know, do a little bit more development and go that route. I was a little bit smaller of a player. So, you know, to, to hit the Western League is a little bit tougher of a of a goal of mine, but um, it kind of fell into my lap. I actually got cut from Salmon Arm the same year I made the Camus Wizards. So those stories don't really happen too much anymore. Everyone's pre-signed and all that, right? So going into Salmon Arm camp, I went there um, 
you know, and because I'm a local kid, I'm from Sycamus, they just wanted to kind of APB and they, they had a couple high draft picks that year as well. I think Zajac um, was there. That was his first year there as well. So they already pre-signed quite a lot of players and they were kind of going for championship runs back then, right? So they said, you know what, you're in the backyard. You can AP play for the junior B team, the Sycamus Eagles, which is right down the road and we'll AP you up. And at that point, I, I was listed by Kamloops, so I had to attend their camp and I ended up you know, going there and, and earning a spot as a 16-year-old. I wasn't signed or anything. They didn't really do that back in the day. I think you just kind of showed up for camp, and if you had a good camp, they, they signed you, and that was it, right? So you're battling first-rounders, second-rounders, third-rounders. You know, it was, a, it was a different experience to make a Western League team back then. It wasn't, uh, you know, if you're a first-rounder, it wasn't guaranteed that you were going to make that team either, right? So it just kind of fell into my lap, and, you know, I played – I think 58 games my first year, but I'd say a lot of those games, I didn't get more than three shifts a game. If I got three shifts a game, I'd consider it uh, a good game, I'd say. Well, Hugger, just touching on your WHL career, uh, from your point of view, what was your most uh, exciting year and then most productive year? Yeah, um, I think they're all exciting. Like, do you have any 40-goal seasons or anything? <laughs> I had a 39-goal season, so I was one short. I was going my last five games. We pulled a goalie where I think we were, you know, up, I think, like, 7-2 to two against Red Deer, and we're pulling goalies with the last five minutes. I don't think I came off the ice for my last five minutes to try to get that 40th goal. <laughs> um, but they're all exciting years, right? Like, you kind of look back on it, and, and they all had their, their ups. They all had their downs, just like any hockey season, right? Like, my 16-year-old year, um, you go in and you're playing with guys. Like, I was on a line with Colton Moore. Right. So that was my first year. And that's kind of your introduction into into the Western League. Right. I wouldn't get many shifts because he would have to, like, push me out of the way to fight the guy beside him. And, you know, if he got in a fight, I'd usually get pulled off the ice because we were the fourth line. And if he was in the penalty box, then I couldn't get out on the ice. But um, I would say most productive year. You know, probably my 17-year-old year. I went from a, from a 16-year-old year where you're playing three shifts a game and then, you know, I got added roles and, and was able to play some power play and some penalty kill. And I think I have to look back at the stats. I don't even look at them. I think I had like a 40-point season. And back then as a 17-year-old, that's pretty good back then because not a lot of 17-year-olds. It's not like nowadays where your 17-year-olds could be your best players, right? Back then, if you're 17, you're kind of like a third, fourth-line guy. And that was the year I got drafted as well. I think it just went hand in hand. I was getting lots of ice time. I, there was lots of injuries, so I was getting thrown in roles that I wouldn't normally see. Um, and then to be relied upon um, for, for scoring was definitely, you know, a highlight, right? I did that all throughout minor hockey. So, you know, when you're thrown into those roles and you're just happy to be there, like things just kind of fell into place. And, and from there, I think, you know, every year got a little bit more complicated once you get drafted once you're trying to get signed once you're you know being compared for world junior teams and team canada events like it, it gets a lot more complicated than it than it did in my 17 year old year for sure you know you you deal with a lot of uh you know kids through the summer and you know some of the programs that you have you're a female coach but i'm sure you get asked to do some advice for young kids that are going into the whl or maybe trying to make that choice whl or going to play junior aid and trying to get a scholarship what, what advice would you give them uh and their families at, at that point in their career right now i think it's you know like the game has changed a lot um like i don't watch the western link quite as much as i used to and i know the game is you know it's faster the kids are more skilled than ever you know the development that these kids get is you know 
far beyond what I got, but I think the biggest thing, like it comes down to, to hard work. Like I know, you know, getting drafted, going through it, looking back on your career, like, could I have worked harder to, you know, made the NHL? Yeah. Like, could I have made, you know, done things better off the ice and eaten better? Um, for sure. So some of the things, what it comes back to is just hard work. Like you'll see in the summer, you work with some kids and I, you know, some kids think they know that what hard work is, but you know, until you go up against the next guy, there's always somebody pushing. There's always somebody working out when you're not working out. And I think that's what it comes back to. It's just, you know, I, I see it every year. We got 120 new kids come to our Academy every year, you know, mm-hmm. and by Christmas time, some of them get it. Some of them are like, Hey, I'm not working hard enough. I got to be better every day. I got to be better. But, um, you know, at some point in time, it just clicks for kids, right? Like they'll, they'll find out, they'll say, now I know what that coach was talking about. Now I know what hard work is, right? Like people think that they're working hard. And I think in today's society, it's easy to go like, well, you know, like I was watching videos all day on my phone, but you weren't actually doing anything, right? Like you actually have to put in that, that amount of time and, and master your craft. It's, it's something that you see kids are, you know, they'll, they'll do their hour session and then that's it for the day. Oh, well, I did my hard work and now it's done. Right. So it just, you got to continue to evolve. You got to, you know, the mental preparation, everything like that. I just think, you know, you just can't beat hard work. So Hogger, with the NHL draft day right around the corner, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your draft day experience? You went uh, 121st overall in the fourth round of Calgary. Why don't you tell us about that day and uh, any fun that you had on that day waiting for for your name to be called? Yeah, it was, um, I actually flew down to the draft. It was in Carolina and my agent flew me down. I I guess back in the day, that's if you're going to go on the first day, you went to the draft, right? Like I had no, just this kid from a town of 2000 people, like no idea what was kind of going on. And to be honest, that year, like I had, you go back to your stall in your room and I never had an agent. All these first round guys all had agents. I was a walk on, made the team as a 16 year old, like wasn't even supposed to be there. So like my 17 year old year, my coaches were like, yeah, who's your agent? And I didn't have an agent. So I get all these packages in my stall and, you know, you're kind of going through and I just, you know, kind of picked the guy that was in uh, like the closest guy from the West that I kind of knew a little bit. And um, so going into it, uh, flew down there to Carolina. It was, it was unique to see because obviously Carolina is a, you know, you go there and you think, well, how is there hockey being played here? But there was tons of fans and, and fans coming in from everywhere. It was kind of packed. It was um Ovechkin's draft year right so being able to to go there I actually Robbie Shrimp was a was a big first rounder that year and he was in my agency so obviously that first day I think Robbie Shrimp had probably like 250 people come down for that draft so you know we kind of like tailgated with them um for that draft because it was kind of his big year and it was coming off the London Knights that magnificent team that they had there and and he was coming off like a 100 point season there so it was fun to go through all that and, and to kind of see him, you know, through the agency. And we had another guy that got drafted by Philadelphia in the, in the sixth round, I think, as well that year. But um, I didn't know what to expect, right? Like, obviously, the agents know a lot more than you do. And I just kind of sat there on the first day. I wasn't expecting anything. I didn't even know I was going to get drafted the first day, right? So I'm kind of there just taking it all in. And obviously, back then, they did three rounds in the first day. And then I think they did the four rounds the next uh, the next day, right? So... I think that night I didn't get drafted. And then, um, you know, so uh, the next day, I think 
my agent told my parents what teams were going to draft me. Like it was coming up in the fourth round and Calgary had a few picks and it was either going to be like between Calgary and Edmonton. Those were kind of the two teams because playing out West, you get, you know, like we go through do Alberta swings and they come through BC. Um, so the next day, I think it was a couple picks in, I was selected right away. So it was an awesome experience. Uh, funny, funny going through it. Like I know back then too, like Calgary didn't even know I was in the building. So your name gets called and, you know, you stand up and you shake, shake your, you hug your mom, you hug your dad, you, you know, shake your agent's hand and I'm walking down there and you see the Calgary table kind of just like stare up into like, Who, what's this kid doing? Walking down there. <laughs> Then I come down there and they like didn't even know that I was at the draft. So it was kind of cool to go up. And that was a year that Calgary lost to Tampa. So they were just purchasing an AHL team and, you know, they went on that big run in the red mile and everything. So it was, uh, it was super exciting for sure, but I'm born and raised BC kids. So, you know, I was a Canucks fan hoping to get drafted by the Canucks and you end up getting drafted by the Flames. I actually got a picture. Um, and I can see if I can pull it up here. But I was just as surprised to get drafted by the <laughs> like the flow. Oh yeah. So I got like a little bit of a surprise look on my face there. Like uh-huh. you know, you're born and raised BC kid and then you get drafted by the Flames. So, you know, I had to kind of switch over a little bit there. But hey Hogger, you gotta send that uh, picture to Tay so we can put that on the website for the launch of this podcast. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll send it out. I got so everybody, uh, everybody can see your uh Deer in the headlights look. Who was the first person you met when you got to the table? I can't even remember, to be honest. Like, um, I think it was their, like, uh, director of public relations guy, right? He brings you down to the table. I know Daryl was down at the table, and you're kind of starstruck too, right? Like, I mean, I'm coming from the Blazers. I went from a town of 2000 to Kamloops, and I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at. And now you're in Carolina meeting all the coaches and all that, so... Um, there's another kid that got drafted just after too, or just before I, I can't remember, but we went up to their little suite up top and we were able to, to have, have, uh, have a little bit of fun that day as well. And they kind of joined us after, after they're done drafting that day as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I was just kind of like starstruck. I didn't really know what was going on. It kind of that look I had on my face. I was like that the whole day. Cause you just don't know what to expect. You don't want to say the wrong thing. You're just like, you're going through, there's a million pictures. You're doing the thing with the stick where you're looking at the camera like that and you put it on your back and you're modeling it back. So it was an experience for sure. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, one of those things. It's a highlight for sure, but you know, it's only step one, right? Like, there's a lot of steps in that process to to continue on as a pro hockey player. Okay, Hogger, let's take a look at your university career. We got a we got a legend right beside us too, as well from Lakehead University, Andy Zeliniak. First off, I want to know what was the first time like when you met Andy? I know you guys kind of knew each other playing junior and stuff like that, but what was it like uh, playing? university hockey with Andy. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. I mean, <laughs> the guy ended up being the best man at my wedding. Right. So, uh, I actually met Andy before that we Perry Pern holds his three on three camps. And I think through the agency, that's how I got to know Andy a little bit. So I met him kind of there, but always in and out. And then knowing that he was at Lakehead, I, I don't know, it was like instant connection. Maybe it's the BC Manitoba and, and, kids coming together that way, I guess. But, um, you know, going there, playing with Andy, Andy was there. I think he came at the end of the year. Andy, am I correct in saying I that? Came, uh, I came at Christmas the year before right. he came. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Andy knew a lot more people, but I kind of like stuck beside Andy and, and kind of followed his lead a little bit, but I don't know, there was like instant chemistry and some connection and you just kind of, um, it was a fun time. Like to, to be completely honest, I, was deciding whether, you know, do you sign a pro contract? Do you go to university? And, um, like I got some pretty good advice to go to university from some ex NHL guys. Um, you know, pro hockey's always there, but you know, the university degree, um, and the scholarship isn't always there. Right. So going there and, and, you know, we did, we had such a good group of guys. Like I can't really, there isn't one guy that you don't like see on Facebook or say happy birthday to, and you see them all over the place and you see that they're doing well. They're, they're, you know, growing up with their families. Now they were, they were all great guys. And I think at that university level, you develop even more connections, right? Like you're, you're not just like showing up and the kid is traded the next day, right? Like you're not battling for positions. It's like, you're kind of, together working together there's no trades your team is your team from september and uh it was just an awesome group like the time that i had at lakehead at university and the coaches and the laughs and just everything like you look back on it it was definitely the funnest time of my career for sure andy let's ask you the same question like what was it like playing with hogger oh man um well like jerry you can account for this like i'm one of the happiest guys you've met Never met a happier guy in my okay. life. Well, Hogger is probably comparable or maybe even a little bit happier. So, um, but yeah, like we met a little bit earlier with our agency. And then uh, once he came to Lakehead, we hit it off again. And we actually ended up being roommates for three and a half years. So that's probably how I snuck into best man at his wedding. But um, Hogger is a player. Uh, Hogger, what was your nickname growing up in Sycamus? The Sycamus Sniper. The Camus sniper. <laughs> so uh, he brought that over to Lakehead, and that was sort of his nickname there, along with 41. But um, the kind of guy that uh, I don't want to compare him to Marchand, but he was kind of a, a love to hate. So if you had him on your team, you loved him. And if you're playing against him, every team hated Hogger. There's something about his face, like one, one of those ones that you just want to <laughs> get a whack in the corner to. But he drew some penalties because of it, which was nice. Um, but yeah, like playing with Hogger, he had that energy. He wanted this. He wanted the puck even when he was uh, covered, kind of like a Lemieux type. He'd be banging on the stick of like Hogger, you're not open. Like you gotta move. But he, <laughs> once he got the puck, he uh, he put it in the net. He had such a good release, so um, easy to play with. He kept it light. We always had a pregame routine. I ran the music, and then uh, Hogger would do his little routine around that music. But um, yeah, and then living with each other was awesome. Uh, he was. Cleaning up, he's clean, very cleanliness is uh, it was about a 10 out of 10, but uh, probably cleaned up after me a little bit, which was kind of nice to have him around. But no, overall, unreal player, unreal guy. So, yeah, that's all so you say. played the music. I want to get back a little bit to what Hogger was doing. You said he did a routine. Is this like a dance routine, Hogger? Yeah, what's that? Little... Ke- what's that Kesha song called? Hogger? I think it was TikTok, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, TikTok. There's a, there was like one song every year that okay. you'd, they'd keep it in the routine. Do a yeah. little uh, stretch before dynamic stretch. Keep the boys light. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then obviously Nickelback. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, uh, you got to go with Nickelback as well. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after university there, Hogger, you uh, made the jump. You talked a little bit about playing pro hockey. You know, when you make that jump, what were the biggest changes that you noticed from junior to pro? I think right away it's just like the guys are older they're mature they're smart 
they've been through it before. Like they were absolute beasts, I guess is what you'd call it. Right. I actually signed, um, with Andy out of Lakehead. We signed with the Kansas city Mavericks. I guess they were called Missouri Mavericks at that time. So going into there, we actually had like a pretty good start and we had some good older players. We had some players that set records in the CHL for scoring and, and continued on when they went to the East coast. Right. So, and some of these guys, like they played NHL games, they were in the NHL and now they're playing in the central league and they have their families there. And, you know, they're just veterans of the game. So it, it's hard to, you know, like you can't fake it around those guys. Those guys are, you know, they put in the effort, they know, you know, when to go hard, they know when to kind of lay off the gas. They know like they're just veteran guys that you can kind of learn from. Right. And me and Andy kind of coming out of Lakehead, you know, work out, you're on cloud nine because, you know, they're your top dog and you're, you know, playing lots and, you know, it was, you got your degree now. So you're going there. And I think, you know, we, we wasted a lot of energy in some, some areas that we didn't need to waste as much energy and maybe, at that level, what weren't his focus for what it was going to be like, it was an absolute grind. It's like you're traveling, you're playing in Kansas city one night, you're playing in Allen the next morning. So you're driving through the night. Now you're playing in Allen at 12 o'clock. Then you got to get back to Kansas city to play uh, for a Sunday matinee game, right? Like it was just the travel started to wear on you. Like the, the amount of abuse that you took in a game started to wear on you. There was tons of injuries, tons of, you know, everything going on. So really being able to take care of yourself because like those guys are all old and it's all maintenance for those guys. And they're just like trying to get through a season. And, you know, so if you're not doing your post game stretches, if you're not warming up correctly, um, you know, it catches up with you right away. But pro is definitely like you're, you're paid to be there and you're paid to perform, right? Like it's a different model. You're not there in junior hockey and playing for your community. It's like, here's your paycheck, do your job. That's what it kind of like came to. And it was like, if you can't do your job, we're going to find someone to do that job for us. Right. So you're always kind of under the spotlight. You're always wondering, okay, what's going on? What are the coaches thinking? And, you know, so there was just a lot more to the game at that level than there is at the junior level. What was the first indication that you, you talked about the strength of the player, but was there like somebody you played against? Hey, I've got his hockey card back home. Or was it that you were getting on the bus and you and Andy had to share a, uh, a seat together because you guys were rookies or, or your big first paycheck? What was your first indication that you really said, hey, I'm a pro hockey player now? Yeah, I think, well, to be honest, like when I was a 20 year old and we didn't make the playoffs in Lethbridge, I ended up going down to the East coast and playing there. Um, and on that team, there was a goalie, um, Morrison was his last name. I forget his, his first name, but, uh, Mike Morrison. So he was, um, like I went down there and I groomed with them. Right. So we go down there and he has this thing called guitar hero. And it was the first, like it first came out and everyone's coming to the place playing guitar hero and stuff. And I remember I had a heart to heart with them because I'm like, yeah, like I got this offer from Lakehead, but like Phoenix wants, it was Phoenix Roadrunners at that time. And Phoenix wants me to come back. And he kind of sat me down had a heart to heart and was like, you know what? Like I backed, uh, we played Carolina in the final and I was the goalie in the final series against Carolina. And now I'm playing in the East coast. He's like pro hockey is a grind. It's an absolute mental battle. Um, you know, to go through that, you have to be mentally tough. And he kind of said, you know what, you, 
I would get your education first because it's, you know, it's not always going to be there, but pro hockey will never, will always be there. He said, you can come back and play at any time. You know, there's always a league. There's always a team that, that will, will find a space. But he says like, you got to ride the wave as it goes too. Right. So that was kind of like my first, like that guy, I was watching him in the Stanley cup final uh, the last year. And now I'm on his team. And to be honest, he wasn't even the starting goalie. So like it was East coast and he didn't even play a game in the playoffs for us. Right. So it just goes to show like how hard it actually is. Like it's gotta be right place, right time, right attitude. You gotta be hot. Like you gotta ride, ride that wave. It's, it's a, sometimes it's, it's high, sometimes it's low, but um, that was kind of it. I mean, the paychecks (laughs) weren't very much like, you you know, you can scrounge a few things together. And, um, but I think that was kind of it, right? Like you're playing against some of these guys that, you know, you used to watch and now they're playing in the East coast and you're like lining up against them off face-offs and spearing them off face-offs and things like that. So like, it's, it's always fun to go through that and to look back at the guys you played with it and things like that. But, um, I don't know. I guess I've, I've like always played against those guys, like playing in the Western league, you're playing against Dion Phaneuf, Brian Getzlaff, Andrew Ladd, like all these guys. Right. So I wasn't really as much starstruck, I guess, like, to go there and be lined up against those guys. Cause you kind of in the Western league, you play against those guys all the time, but um, it just like, it's a real grind. Like I don't really know how else to put it. I think, you know, kids nowadays, like you even ask kids nowadays, they got to go and you got to make those teams. And, and it's a, it's a battle. It's like, there's always someone right there to take your spots. So it's, it's definitely a battle every day. Throughout your hockey career, Hogger, you talked about being drafted. You talked about playing at Lakehead and pro I imagine a lot of stress comes along with that when hockey gets serious like that and you got to make some serious choices with you and your hockey and life. Anything you do in particular to get your mind away from hockey? I know you touched on Guitar Hero. Uh, anything that you do kind of just to get away from the game? Yeah, um, I mean, back then it was kind of hockey 24-7. I think one thing that, like Andy can say as well, we used to do, like you play a lot of video games, right? Like me and Andy once had a race to 100 in NHL. I think it was like NHL 12 or something. Andy, what was the score of that series? I was definitely winning, like... It was. I was coming off a tilt for sure. I was oh, probably up. 20 I think games. I ended up winning that like a hundred to twenty-five or something no like that. No way. You know what? Yeah, it was like my winning percentage was really high. I'm so. gonna be the. I'm gonna be the decider here. I'm gonna agree with Hogger because every we have the same thing going on. We have a an old time series, and every time we get together, Andy puts me ahead of him, but he kind of like. He makes it closer than it is. He's like, I think uh, you got a four game lead on me. And then I'm like, <laughs> and then I'm just like, yeah, sure. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Like he was the type of guy you'd get a breakaway in those games and he would pause it. So then you would mess up your breakaway. <laughs> yeah. Like, the one I time that- I remember I whipped a controller at him and he ducked it and it hit the wall and put a hole in the wall. But you know, <laughs> yeah, we covered that up with a pillow. <laughs> that's, but, why, uh, that's why we play online with each other so we can't ruin my walls of my house yeah exactly but um you know what it's it, it was tough even back then to kind of get away from it because it was every day right um i think nowadays we're a little bit more aware of the mental part of the game and it's a huge part now i don't know if um back when I played, I really got away from it. Right. Like, I think I went home and you would think about it and you would want to, you know, like, what do I got to do tomorrow to move up the lineup? Or what do I got to do to get on the power play? And 
you know, it was, it was tough. We didn't really have the outlets that you did and you, whatever your coach said went right. Like you never talked about, you never, the coach gave you the plan and that's what you did. Like it's not nowadays you've got to be integrated with everything. You guys are on the development side of things as well. And you're heavily involved with, you know, kids development now and didn't really have that back in the day. Right. It was kind of like coach puts a lineup on the board. Boom. You're done. Coach says you go, you go out and do what whatever they needed to do. Right. So I didn't really have too many. And maybe that's one thing, like looking back on it, maybe if I handled that a little bit better, I'd be able to, you know, kind of move ahead a little bit more. But um, back then it kind of surrounded you. I think by the end of my career, like I said, I was kind of chasing the money. And when you end up doing that, you're just never going to be happy with anything, right? Like you need to have that passion and that love for the game in order to continue to play it. And if you lose it, then, you know, that's kind of like why play something that you don't like anymore. Right. So for sure, that's one thing that, you know, kids growing up, like, uh, use the counselors, use mental coaches, you know, talk with your coaches. Like there's always outlets now. And I feel like back in the day, there wasn't as many throughout for sure. So now that the rink and uh, POE is merged together, you're the head coach of the female prep team. What are some things that you look forward to uh, moving forward? Yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. Obviously I think, you know, with the brand, like the female side for us with POE, we've had some really, really good years. Like we're, I think we're one of the only teams to ever go undefeated in the CSSHL. And, you know, I, the records over the years have been pretty good since I moved in here and started coaching here. But, um, you know, for the whole Academy and as a whole, like there's a lot of things that you guys do there. And, you know, obviously with the facility that you have and the resources that you have, we've been able to utilize that and, um, everything's growing, right? Like it's, uh, with COVID going on, there's a, there's, it puts a halt on, on some things and some travel and some things that we want to, you know, start to implement and, and accomplish. And you can only put one foot in, in front of the other, right? You got to take baby steps at a, at a time like this, but, um, it's really exciting. Like we got, uh, Jeff here today to do some of our on ice testing and to be able to utilize, um, you guys in that, in that role as well. Um, and to be able to help us that way. And then obviously Taylor as well with, you know, helping out with our social media and, and you guys there and, and what you do, your, your social media is amazing. And to be able to combine that and, you know, have someone out in, in BC and then you guys back in Winnipeg, it's just, you know, for us to be able to grow our brand, right? Like that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to, you know, make kids better people and better players. And that's all you can really ask for. So it's been really good. Like there's just, there's so many resources that you guys use and, um, you know, your coaching staff and everybody you have on the development side has been around the game for so long that, um, it's just good to get new ideas. Like I said, I'm like a, I'm like a baby coach. I've only been coaching for like five years. So like, mm -hmm. I, I really don't know anything like you're every year is different and you're trying to grow and you're trying to get all these you know, what, what is the best way to develop a kid? What is the best way to do power skating? Like there's really so many things and the game is wide open right now that you have to take the best that everybody has and combine it together. And I think that's what you guys have done there. And we want to continue to do it out here. That's great to hear. I love how you, you talked about, you know, being open. And a lot of times when you talk with different coaches, I know we, we deal with lots of coaches the best coaches I found in my past are always open to new change, you know, not stuck in, in the old ways of doing stuff of being uh, receptive to new ways. So that's great to hear. Auger, uh, thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day and uh, best of luck to the female prep team. Uh, once you guys get started this year.
Thanks, guys. Yeah, and hope to see you guys uh, down the road here once things start to open up a little bit. Good luck and uh, have a good week, guys. Great talking there to the hogger. Yeah, one thing that really stood out to me was when he talked about using everything that uh, teams give you. You know, you always think about the coaching staff and all that stuff. But he talked a little bit about the, you know, the mental illness doctors and people to chat with when hockey gets serious, right? And it's serious at a young age now. I remember when I was a kid, uh, when you played hockey at 10 years old and, you, you know, you played hockey in the winter and then you didn't play hockey in the summer. Nowadays, kids at 10 years old are basically training like pros. So I imagine that the intensity of hockey uh, ramps up a little bit earlier than I remember. But like he said, it wasn't really around or wasn't talked about as much when we were growing up. It was like, mask your feelings, don't talk about anything. Whereas nowadays it's refreshing to hear people that, you know, are higher ups like Hogger there. He was drafted and him saying to his players uh, in Kelowna, you know, use those people because they're there to help. Yeah, I think it's really important. I think one thing has changed and I think it's kind of what you're you're, you're uh, you know talking about is that you know we're really realizing that hockey players are people too and they have another life you know outside when they take their equipment off they take their shield off there you know when a hockey player walks in a rink whether it be in front of their coaches or in front of their you know teammates they put this big armor on and the armor is that you know they're indestructible and they're invincible everything's okay they're not hurt they're okay off the ice but I think it, the coaches and organizations like uh, Hogger talked about are really paying a close attention to them off the ice as well which is really good to see because those relationships need to be built and you need to care about your players well you know you take care of your body off the ice you go to the gym you know you eat right you do all those things yet for years and years and years we you know one of the the main muscles that we use our brain uh we weren't using our brain basically and it was always you know don't talk about anything and just kind of do what is said to you to do right so you know i am happy that that there are things like this now in the game for the younger players we see it all the time now where a younger player might not feel right and they don't feel that they're being forced to go out right because now you're starting to see some of the i mean you watch tsn they're doing stories on it right and you're seeing some of the some of the bad aftermath of some of these hockey players that didn't know what they were doing at the time hey you know as well as I do, you get old, mm-hmm. right? And at the time when you're in your young teens and early 20s, you think you can do anything. Yeah, throw me out there. I'm, I'm okay to go. But what happens when you're 30 and 40 and 50 is some of those injuries that uh, you, ha- you sustained, uh, and especially if they're head injuries or stuff like that, those come back to haunt you later on in life. So, again, we always say to any player that we're working with, you know, if you have any trouble, you know, you're feeling any bad thoughts, anything like that, find somebody to talk to. Always reach out. Uh, let's stop that stigma right now. 100% well put. I think it's a big part of the game, and uh, players need to know that, that the door is always open for conversation, whether it be hockey, life, anything at all. Their coaches or you know, organizations are there to help. That's why I call you. 100%. Right? Yeah. That's why we're best buds. 100%. Uh, so, you're going home today. What are you cooking for the draft? I think you're just thinking about some appetizers, maybe. Nice. Uh, you know, what type of appies do you like? Nachos with just cheese. 
Just cheese? Just cheese. Who are you, Kevin McAllister from Home Alone? <laughs> Just cheese. <laughs> Just I, cheese? I actually like cheese, too. Yeah. What about you? What's your going to be your go-to meal? I think I'm going to barbecue some steaks. Wow. I got some marinated. I do a nice little teriyaki marinade uh, that my mother taught me. That's one of the only things I can do. Wow. I can marinate a steak. I can't cook it very well. Uh, yeah, I flip them too much. My yeah, like I'm more of... Uh, I took home ec. Yeah. I was actually talking to a teacher about this the other day. Tay's telling me to wrap it up, but I took home ec uh, for the credits. Mm -hmm. I didn't learn how to cook anything. I was the dishwasher. Oh, yeah. Right? So you're always in a group. Like, you would cook, I would clean. And that's the way it works in my house, right? Anybody who comes over and eats with me usually does the cooking. And then I'm, I'm all right for cleaning. I like to... I find some peace. It's almost like yoga. You put me in front of a sink... I can take my time, you know, clean the plates up, and then uh, maybe watch the draft after. Good Not for maybe, you. or definitely watching good the draft. Yeah, well, good luck to uh, Jarvi and uh, Tristan and Carter. Uh, Carter. Maloney, yeah. Uh, hopefully everything works out for them. It's a big day for them and their families. All right, everybody, have a great week, and we'll see you next week.